Good evening. Well, again, we are going through a series. Oh, one more announcement. Uh, this Friday, we are going to have another grassroots workshop. So anyone who wants to hone their writing skills, music skills, uh, poetry skills, any kind of thing that you would like to develop, we're having a workshop. We sit around some table, take some time and just write. We can also have time to share those things. So if you're working on a poem, if you're working on a song and you want to share it with some people and get some critique, some helpful critique, we're not here to, you know, just, oh, that was lousy, get off the stage. You know, we're here to try and encourage, like, how you can develop your skills better. Um, feel free to come on down Friday at 7.30. So that's going to be happening. Again, it's a little different than grassroots has been in the past, but it was really a great time last time. So that's happening this Friday. Okay. We are continuing our series entitled Elements. And just like we have the elements that make up the periodic table of elements, we, we've going through the, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians and saying that these are the elements that are supposed to be present in our lives as followers of Christ. This is the byproduct of a person who is in relationship with God. And when we talk about these things, some of them, like last week's, love seems obvious. Of course, love should be a fruit of the Spirit. It should be something that comes from us as we are followers of Christ and walking with God. But I think joy is something that we miss sometimes. Why is joy supposed to be an important part of our lives as followers of Christ? And what is this joy that is being spoken about in Galatians and throughout Scripture. And so we're going to be looking at kind of a, an idea of what this joy is as we see it lived out actually in Scripture. And I'm going to start off with a podcast that I actually heard a while back. The podcast was called Invisibilia. And the very first episode was an episode called The Secret History of Thoughts. And the second portion of that podcast was the story of a man named Martin Pistorius. Now, Martin Pistorius, when he was a young boy, was just an average young boy growing up like any young boy. And then at the age of 12, something happened to him. He started losing his, his mobility. He started not being able to function well, stopped being able to walk. And then he stopped being able to talk all his voluntary motor skills started to fall away, and eventually Martin fell into a coma. Doctors were unable to diagnose the exact ailments and believed it was cryptocolical meningitis. I've said that wrong, I guarantee it, but some kind of meningitis, or, or else they also thought it was a tuberculosis of the brain. And so here's this young man up at 12 years old, living healthy, normal life. At 12 years old, he quickly deteriorates and he goes into a coma and he's in this state. And he began regaining consciousness at around the age of 16 and achieved full consciousness at the age of 19, although he was still completely paralyzed except for the ability to move his eyes. And, and so Martin 
talks about this, and I'll explain how in a little bit, but he, he began regaining conscious, and he, he spent time in a care facility. His parents would take him every day into this care facility, and this care facility would watch over him throughout the day. They would feed him. They would sit him in front of a television and they would play Barney and Teletubbies because they believed he was just a vegetable. They believed that's all he could do. And so he started coming aware and then he became aware, but he was still in a state where he could not move. And some of the, the people at the facility would actually mistreat him. They would force him to drink hot tea that was actually scold him, but he was unable to do anything about it. He couldn't even cry. He was unable to react in any way. And so he spent time there at that facility, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, aware but unable to do anything. And the things he experienced through that time, the the difficulties that he had, he, he remembers hearing his mom say to him, I wished you were dead. But then he understood also why she was saying it wasn't because she, he was a burden, it's because she felt so bad for his condition. And so then Martin started trying to figure out how to deal with this because it was driving him crazy. His thoughts and all the things that was going on. He actually wrote a book called Ghost Boy. And in that book, Martin says, I was completely in tune The person who knew there was a boy within me, this useless shell, the only one who knew it was God. I had no idea why I felt God's presence so strongly. He was with me as my mind knitted itself back together. He was as present to me as air, as constant as breathing. And so then Martin there alone with his thoughts had to start to to reframe his thoughts and had to start working together. And he said that God was there helping him to put these things together. In his story, he talks about how he needed to find some semblance. And so he was wanting to know what time is it? Because he had lost years in this coma. He didn't know what day it was. He didn't know what time it was. And so he would watch the shadows on the wall at the facility. And finally he saw a clock and he was able to figure out what time it was by the shadows that were there on the facility. And he started slowly putting things back together so that he could have some semblance of life. And God was the only constant person that Martin could talk to. And he did. He talked to God on a regular basis. Sometimes in life, maybe not as extreme, but we can feel helpless like Martin. Where you feel alone. You feel in despair. You feel like there isn't hope. You you are struggling in some area and you feel like there is no one you can talk to. There is no place you can go. You're there alone in your grief, alone In your despair, there's not a person here who doesn't have some shameful secret in our past, some debilitating fear, some paralyzing or bitter memories that we just can't forget. 
these things that would start to surround and choke life out of us. Experiences that we've had, difficulties maybe that we're going through even now. As Corrine has been going through and just came out of the uh, uh, conference on mental health care, it's amazing how many people are struggling with mental health issues. It's so prevalent, but it's always been so such a stigma that we haven't wanted to address it or acknowledge it. No one wants to say, I've got mental problems, because to us, that just strikes a chord that we don't want to associate with. And yet it's something that it's prevalent, and there isn't one of us that doesn't struggle in some way or another. And I didn't want to talk tonight about joy that would leave maybe one of you who is struggling with this kind of despair behind. I didn't want to just go on and say, this is what joy is and talk about all this great stuff. If you're in a place of despair and wondering, well, how do I get out of this pit that I'm in? How does joy come out of my circumstances and where I'm at? Martin's parents cared for him faithfully. They didn't recognize that their boy was there. They thought he was a vegetable. They thought he was gone. And for years he was there and he would look at his legs and he would just try to will them to move. His dad would come and pick him up and carry him in the car and he would say, I just need to communicate, Dad, I'm here. Dad, I'm here and was unable to communicate it. For so many people, he was just a job. He was a, a burden. He was a vegetable to almost everyone but one nurse named Verna. She noticed that he could use his eyes to respond to things that she said. And so she convinced his parents to send him to the University of Pretoria for testing. And there in the testing, they confirmed that he was conscious and aware of his surroundings. They would put pictures in front of him and ask him, were able to monitor his eye movement, and they'd ask him to look at the pictures to associate with the questions that they asked him. And he didn't do a great job, but he did it. And they said, oh my gosh, he understands us. And from that point on, things started to change for Martin. As soon as there was a breakthrough where he saw that I am able to communicate, he began to actually get better. As he had the ability to communicate, he developed more ability in a long and difficult process with unbelievable challenges. And as soon as we realize that there is hope, it changes everything. It changed the way Martin was able to get out of this pit. And Martin did not only develop the ability to communicate, he actually lapped most of us. Here's some of the things that Martin has accomplished. Within a few years, he got a job. His mom talks about how he was always good at puzzles, and then he was able to actually fix her computer. She had problems with her computer. He was able to fix it. Not only did he get a job, he went to college and earned a degree. He started a web design company. He started his own business. He then wrote a book. The book is called Ghost Boy. And then he fell in love and got married. And we'll get back to that a little bit later. You see, 
I think most of us want actually what Martin accomplished to some degree. A lot of us would maybe like to start our own business or, or to maybe fall in love, get married, to write a book. And he did all this against all odds and all he had to do this with was a joystick. A joystick. Now, what are we talking about today? Joy. Yeah, I'm using that on purpose. A joystick. Well, he was able to move his hands a little bit. He started gaining a little bit of mobility. He can't walk. He can't talk except through a keyboard, a joystick, and a computer program that is able to translate his words. So kind of like a Stephen Hawking, he has a voice that's computerized, but he was able to use the joystick and the computer to actually start putting words together. Kind of like your iPhone, it'll start telling you what words are you're going to say before you say them. You say, hey, how do you know that? Uh, you know, there it is. I guess my phone knows more about me than me. He started to find out these things and put them together. And so he was actually able to do these things through just a joystick. Now, we hear a story like this about Martin and it definitely inspires us. And it definitely kind of makes us think, oh man, what am I complaining back about? And man, why haven't I written a book? I can type, you know, these kinds of things. But the point of this isn't to make us feel bad. The point is to get us to understand that there is something that moves us from a place that would cause us despair to a place that brings us hope and that actually brings us more than hope, that brings us a future that we can walk into. Turn with me to Job chapter 6, verse 10, or you can look on it on the screen here. We're going to touch on a few scriptures, but I want to capture what I believe is the essence of what God is talking about when he's saying that the fruit of the Spirit is joy. And, and, you know, it's kind of difficult to talk about this verse without actually going through the first five chapters, but you guys know the story of Job. You know that he lost everything. You know the, the, the difficulty that came into his life. In fact, in verse 9, just to give us a little ramp up to verse 10, it says that God would be willing to crush me, to lose his hand, and to cut off my life. He's wishing he could die here. In verse 10 it says, Then I would still have this consolation, consolation, my joy in unrelenting pain. that I had not denied the words of the Holy One. My joy in unrelenting pain. The word that is used, the verb that is used for joy there, it's only used this one time in all of Scripture. It's a, a rare word. And as it appears this one time, it means triumph elation, even in face of staggering loss. It means to jump for joy. I like this definition. It says, to leap like a horse so stones spark. Doesn't that give you imagery? To have this joy in unrelenting pain. 
And what's amazing about this is it makes no sense when you think about Job's condition. He lost everything. I mean, apart from being in a complete vegetarian state like Martin was, I mean, Job, it's hard to imagine circumstances worse than his. He had lost his family. He had lost his wealth. He'd lost his health. He wishes he'd never been born, and yet Job chooses joy in the midst of unrelenting pain. Not just physical pain without meds, an emotional pain, a crippling pain. And we get an idea of Joe's focus in chapter 1, verse 21, after all this happens. He says, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Blessed be the name of the Lord forever. The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away, but his name is blessed forever. This was a foundation that Job was building his life on. This is how he could have joy with unrelenting pain is because he had a foundation that couldn't be taken away. You see, I think we forget sometimes what we have is actually a gift. That our life is a gift. We we can be so disconnected from God that we fail to recognize all the blessings that are from God. See, as Martin started to come around and out of this coma state, pretty soon any little thing that he could do became something he could celebrate. And what would happen if we recognize that every good thing comes from the Father above and every time we are able to have anything of value, we would actually be able to rejoice, go back to joy because of it. I heard Mark Batterson say that to enjoy anything without giving thanks to God is as if you have stolen it from the Almighty. To enjoy anything without giving thanks to God. It doesn't mean you have to stop and say, God, I thank you for this pizza right now. It's so good. But it means to be aware that everything that we are able to enjoy is because God has given us the ability the taste buds, the visual cortex to see the sunrise or sunset, the emotion to be able to enjoy the hug. We got to meet my new nephew the other day, and he's just a tiny little guy, little Oliver York. The joy that fills our hearts when we get to see this little one. Thanks to God, he has created us with the ability to enjoy. And so here's a simple definition for joy. It's Not comprehensive by any means, but it's so true. Joy is not getting what you want. Joy is appreciating what we have, even if it's what little we have. Joy is not getting what you want, but it's appreciating what we have. I'm always 
marveling with myself when we have times of prayer and like we're going to have a time of prayer where we just thank God for the blessings we have. And I always find myself struggling to think of all the things I'm thankful for. And it's like, oh, I should be thankful for so many things. Why do I struggle? Because I'm not used to thanking God for all the things that I have. And so what I'm going to start doing, and I'm challenging you to do this, is start writing every day something that you're thankful for, to count your blessing. And you can't repeat them. So if I thank God for my wife today, I can't thank him again tomorrow, even though I'm thankful for her tomorrow. I need to find something that I can be thankful for, counting a blessing every day. And my goal is to get to a 1,000. It shouldn't be hard. It shouldn't be hard. Every day, what would happen if you started seeing the things that you're thankful for and giving thanks to God for them, recognizing the blessings? Joy is about rejoicing over and over. That's what rejoicing means. It's showing joy over and over again. And joy is a choice. Sometimes that choice is easy and you have a good day. Sometimes the choice is difficult, like Job when things fell apart. It was the hardest choice Job had to make, but it was a choice that he made. Victor Frankl in his book, Man's Search for Meaning, we spoke about this a while back, speaks about how life was for him in a concentration camp. And he went to a number of different concentration camps where they took everything away from him. His wife, his clothes, his identity, his name. He was given a number. And even in that condition, he said that everything can be taken from a man but one thing. The last of human freedoms is to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances. That's one thing you can hold on to, is your attitude in any given set of circumstances. So wherever you find yourself, you have the ability. In fact, the most important choice you can make probably every day is your attitude in that day. Are you going to rejoice? Or are you going to allow circumstances to steal your joy? Your internal attitudes are as much and maybe more important than your external circumstances. How you deal with these things is of vital importance to who you will be, how it will shape you. Choosing joy is making a choice to put how you think about the things over how the things are more important. It's about recognizing who we are and whose we are. If God is good and if God is love, then you can rejoice even if circumstances are bad. Jesus said, in the world you will have tribulation, but take courage, I have overcome the world. How can I take courage? Because I believe that even in spite of the tribulation, the difficulty, that I belong to him. It really is a test of faith. How much do you believe in what you say you believe? 
enough to put your emotional bank in that pile? Or is it going to be robbed because of circumstances? I want to get back to Martin and how he fell in love and how did he marry his wife, Joanna? Who's in South Africa, they pronounce her name Jonah there. And when Martin began to regain his ability, one of the things he began to do is regain the ability to smile. And so he practiced smiling till his face hurt, he said. Just to smile. But when he would smile, that was one of the things that Joanna fell in love with was his ability not only to smile, but to actually celebrate life. In the book, there's a time where Martin takes a bite of creme caramel. I don't know if it's a South African thing, but I want to try it wherever it's at. It's creme caramel. And he was so savoring it that his wife comments on how much he was enjoying it. She saw him enjoying this, that it actually lit her up how much he was enjoying this dessert. And this dynamic is something that he actually writes about in the book. He he writes this. The pleasure I take in things is one of the greatest joys I give her, his wife. Think about that. The pleasure I take in things is one of the greatest joys I give her. She says that she has never seen anyone revel in things as much as I do And it makes her happy to see the world that the world astounds me so often because there are almost as many new things as there are ways to experience joy. Let me read that again. There are almost as many new things as there are ways to experience joy. And you see, what happened with Martin is because everything was a gift to him. Every little thing was something he enjoyed. He enjoyed it so much that it actually made his wife alive watching him enjoy that. You who have kids know what that's like when you take your kids or your grandkids to Disneyland. Disneyland is so much more fun when you have kids because their eyes light up and they're thinking, it's a giant mouse. You know it's a person in a costume. They think it's Mickey Mouse. And you get to enjoy the experience that they are having and it actually makes the experience you are having even better. What would happen in our relationships if we think, you know, so many times I fall prey to this where I think, you know, what do I have to do to make my wife happy when really what I need to do is be happy? If I were to be enjoying life so much that she would be able to enjoy me because I'm enjoying life. That it would be so much a part of my life that I would overflow it into those around me. And there are new things and new ways to experience joy in even the old things. How many times do you eat something that's good and just inhale it? When was the last time that you savored those chili fries? Or that cup of coffee? 
We've lost the ability to enjoy things because we just consume things. And we stopped recognizing there is a God who has given us the ability to connect to these things and to enjoy them. See, there are infinite ways to experience joy and wherever you are, there is the ability to enjoy life more fully. You can choose to enjoy your life right where you are more fully. What we keep thinking is we need to change the circumstances. Again, it's not a matter of getting what you want, but appreciating what you have. In the Westminster Catechism, written so that we could have kind of a foundation of faith, it says that man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. I wonder if our greatest shortcoming isn't feeling bad enough about the things that we do wrong. You know, well, that's my biggest problem is when I do something wrong, I don't feel bad enough about it. I wonder if it might be not enjoying enough the goodness of God that is here every day. I wonder if we were awakened to the goodness of God and the things that we have, if it would push us to a place where that is all we desired so that the things that we would do wrong would become less and less prevalent in our life because we are so focused on enjoying the life that God gives. All things were created by him and for him. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. Then shouldn't we be the people who celebrate life the deepest and the most if we are connected to God who gives this life? That joy would be an evident part of the fact that we are in relationship with the God who gives life and blessing. there is something that's called the law of diminishing marginal utility. I know it sounds fancy, but it's really simple. It means basically at some point, more is less. More is less. Now, we know this is true in certain circumstances. Music. There's a song. Pick your favorite song. It could be rock. It could be classical. It could be whatever. There comes a point where if they add too much to that song, it ruins the song too much cowbell and it's over the edge you know some of those songs that you like oh man i love this part it's so tasteful it might be really simple but it's something you enjoy where if they were to add more and more instrumentation it would actually destroy the song this is something that i've actually tested I tested it with mangoes once way back in the day because I loved mangoes. And so I went to Costco back when it was Price Club and I bought a case of mangoes. And every day I had a mango. And after about a week of mangoes, I was like, yeah, I had enough mangoes. I tried it more recently with Butterfinger Bites. The more you consume, the less you enjoy And you see, we start thinking that joy is about getting what we want. That it's more of what we want. And I'm just telling you, it's not. It's not getting more of what you want. There comes a place where what you want, it actually has a diminishing return. It's about appreciating 
what we have. You see, with Martin, it was reveling in the most simple things, that smile. It was enjoying the things that he had, the ability to taste the most simple things that lit up his expression and made his wife fall in love with him. It's documented in studies that even with money, that after a certain point, it stops adding to people's happiness. You know, well, money, you know, if I had enough money, I'd be happy. That's true up to a certain point, they say. They say $75,000 a year, but that varies depending on the number of kids you have, the cost of living where you live in California might be a little bit more, you know, but at some point, you will have enough where if you get more, it doesn't affect your ability to enjoy what you have. And then the expecting of wanting more starts to take over the enjoying more. Well, if I get this, if I get this, if I get this, and pretty soon you aren't enjoying, it's just like Butterfingers, you know, I've had enough. How many things can you buy before you start realizing the diminishing marginal return. And it's something that we have to, especially in the United States, be aware of because we keep wanting to consume more. I'd be happy if I was in a different place. I'd be happy if I had a different job. I'd be happy if I was in a different relationship. I'd be happy if this was changed, if that was changed. And we stop losing the ability to see what we have and rejoicing where we are. And so the fruit of God's spirit joy is not evident in our life because we are detached from the ability to see what we have and rejoice in those things. And what we don't realize is we start losing the ability to transfer that actually to the people around us. In Psalm 27, verse 6, it says, And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord sacrifices of joy. See, I I knew about sacrifice of praise, but here is a sacrifice of joy. Again, isn't this what Job was doing? Isn't this when Job said, I will bless the Lord. Though he slay me, I will praise him. I will take this unrelenting pain and I will have joy in spite of it. I will dance for joy. I will spark the the ground that I am on because of the Lord. I will not dishonor the Most High. I recognize Him. I can still have joy in that I belong to Him. When you find joy in spite of your circumstances, when you hit bottom, where do you go? Sacrifice of joy. Why can't you find joy where you're at? It is not your circumstance, it's your heart. The reason Martin could climb to what he did is because he found joy where he was at. And even though smiling hurt, it was too much to enjoy to stop. And so he went on and on. Psalm 30, verse 5, it says, His anger is but for a moment. His favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. 
We've been going through, or last week we went through, last Sunday we went through and talked briefly about Genesis 1, how it was good what God did. And in verse 3 it says, there was evening and there was morning the first day. And I love that, that there was evening and there was morning. And just before that it says it was good. Sometimes you come through your day and it's like you just need to call it a day. You know, this day was a rough one. Car broke down, kids broke down, life broke down, and you just need to call it a day. But the promise is there is tomorrow. And you see, every now and then you see that sunset. And that sunset is a declaration saying that God is faithful and there's going to be a sunrise tomorrow. And God is going to be there for you tomorrow in spite of the struggles of this day. Know that joy comes in the morning, that his mercies are new every morning, that this is the day that the Lord has made, that I will rejoice and be glad in it. Why are you rejoicing? Because it's the day that the Lord has made. That's why I can rejoice in it. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Not my circumstances. Not even my joy. But who He is, is my strength. Every morning is a mini resurrection. Every sunset is a promise of God's faithfulness for the next day. If God is for us, who can be against us? So where are you? Right now, in this fruit of joy, where is it in our lives? Is it there and you are just not choosing it? Is it there and you're not aware of it because you're not thankful of it? Is it there but you're trying to get more and you're actually losing it by trying to get more of something else and losing what God is wanting you to see? See, I think this happens to us in our relationships. I mean, as I was going through this and I was thinking about my relationship with Corrine, it was very convicting to me because so many times I'm, I'm trying to figure out what do I have to do to make things good between us? And I feel like, well, why don't you be a person who rejoices so that she can rejoice? Why don't you be a person who overflows joy in, into her life? Why don't you savor the chicken that you just ate tonight? Why did you go into the room and just inhale it? Why didn't you enjoy those things and say, oh man, this chicken is so good. I would have brought a smile to her face. Maybe. But if I would enjoy life so much, it would probably be the best thing that I could do to enhance the relationship that I have with her. It's my choice. It's what I can do. And so in these areas, it is supposed to be something where we find God, wherever we are at. Remember when 
Paul wrote the book of Galatians and says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Joy, peace were not things that would be evident in a people who were being persecuted, in a people who were being killed for their faith. And yet it was evident because they were in relationship with the living God. And so I want you to know that wherever you are at, if you feel like Martin did, where you are alone, you are trapped, you are without hope, that there is a God who hears you and that he is able to still hear your voice and answer your prayers and meet you right where you are at and give you hope for the next day and for the next achievement and for the next achievement so that your life can have within it the fruit of God's Spirit, which is joy. I want us to take a time and to reflect on this and to rejoice in this. So I'm going to have Jason come back up and we're going to close with a song that I think we all know. And I'd like us to stand as Jason leads us in this song. And I want you to hear the words and I want you to make them a reality to you that God would bless and keep these things. And so let's have a moment of prayer and then Jason's going to lead us in that song and then we'll have our, our time just enjoying each other's company. God, may we see the blessings that we have. Not only may we see them, but may we take hold of them. May we celebrate them. May we savor the good things that are in our life. Like the air we breathe, Lord, may your goodness fill our lives and may we exhale that goodness to everyone who is around us. God, may we be people of joy, the fruit of the Spirit is joy. May our lives be evident that we are connected to the living God who has given us all things freely that we might enjoy. God, may we enjoy these things, the blessings that you've given us. You allow rain to fall on the just and the unjust. The sun rises every morning as a sign of your faithfulness, Lord. God, may we celebrate your goodness even now. I pray in Jesus' name.